G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We believe that our God is a God of miracles. All things are possible to Him. And yet it would seem that we, finite beings as we are, can actually place limits upon God. This is what the children of Israel did in the wilderness. In Psalm 78 we read how often they provoked Him in the wilderness and grieved Him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to do so much for them, but they put limits on what He could do. Amazing. Then we read, They did not remember His power the day when He redeemed them from the enemy. If only they had remembered the incredible miracles that He'd already worked on their behalf, they may have had more faith for the future. It is possible to limit God from working in our lives. Maybe you need a miracle right now and you're finding it hard to trust God. Dear friend, remember all that the Lord has done for you and don't place limits on what He can do for you in the future. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And thanks for joining us. Phil here with author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week we're talking about miracles. Now, Ken, uh, you've said it's incredible that God who can do all things can be limited by us. I guess we ought to learn from the children of Israel. Uh, God could have done so much more for them. Their unbelief restricted them, uh, restricted him rather from doing so. And maybe there's much more God wants to do in us and through us, but actually we are limiting him. Yeah, you remember even Jesus could do no miracles in Nazareth because of the unbelief of those who lived there. Uh, they said, you know, you know, he's just one of us, you know. Mm. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. So they didn't believe that he could do anything special, and they set a limit upon him. But, of course, when he went outside of that environment, he performed many miracles. Now, sadly, it's often the very culture which should be the most conducive to miracles which actually limits God. So let's ask ourselves a question this week, Phil. What is it about our culture, the culture we live in, I'm talking about spiritually, that limits God? Does it set a limit or prevent God from doing supernatural things? What I'd like us to do throughout this week is to talk about some of the myths that have been created maybe by our culture about miracles which set limits upon God. And I'd like to center our thoughts, if we can, on an event that is recorded in the Old Testament in which an amazing miracle took place. It was, I won't go into it now, but it was the healing of Naaman the leper. Mm. You know, he had this terminal illness, and yet he was miraculously healed. So we're going to center our thoughts around that passage. Okay, so you're going to share with us some myths uh, that we have also concerning miracles. What are they? Well, the first myth is that God does miracles on demand. Naaman's leprosy, you remember, uh, brought him before the king and the king of Syria sent him to the king of Israel. The king of Syria sent this letter to the king of Israel and said this, when this letter comes to you, know that I've sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. He kind of basically demanded 
mm. a healing. Yep. If you sort of backtrack a little bit, Phil, what really started all this off, triggered the whole thing off, is that in Naaman's house, in, you know, a Syrian captain of the Syrian army, there was an Israelite slave girl, servant girl. And when she heard that her master was sick, she said, oh, that he would go to the prophet in Israel. He would heal him. Mm. Well, he ended up not before the prophet initially, but the king. And the king from, a, from Syria sent this letter saying, heal him. <laughs> in other words, a healing on demand. Now, I think the same kind of um, spirit has always existed. For example, we, we mentioned yesterday uh, that, you know, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, we want to see a sign from you. Miracles on demand. Mm. You know, you've got to deliver. You know, show us a miracle. Um, Herod wanted to see some signs uh, from John the Baptist, wasn't it? And, you know, people just kind of want to see demands when they want to see them because they're operating in unbelief. And I think today, you know, we've got the same kind of situation with sign seeking. There are certain people that actually go to crusades, miracle crusades, mm, purely no, just to see, see what miracles. Yeah. Um, sadly, what happens in those environments often is, you know, the, the sick get wheeled in and their wheelchairs and they get wheeled out. Uh, because it's an environment which is often an environment of actually unbelief, not faith. Mm. Um, people don't go, and they're going to see whether God is real, to test God, if you like. We hear many stories of people seeking other signs, you know, gold dust in teeth and gold dust on the ceiling and all those all those kinds of things. But what do you do with that? Well, I, I, I must admit I get a little bit cynical. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think, you know, we've got miracle junkies in mm. the church today. Um, addicts who need a fix of the supernatural in order to keep their faith alive. So they chase miracles like uh, fanatics in the United States chase tornadoes. Uh, tornadoes, You know, mm. they, they kind of got this broadband thing. They, they, they communicate with one another. There's a tornado happening over at, um, you know, blah, blah, in this place. So everybody goes over there, you know. Yep. It's like that with miracles. You know, there's, there's gold dust happening at the convention center. <laughs> and there's a big crowd that there, yeah. go over there to see the spectacular. Yes, but isn't it a culture that's been created within the church? So in a sense, you can't really blame people for thinking that way? Yeah, absolutely, Phil. I, I think we're all a product of our religious or traditional culture. And, and part of the challenge, if you like, of Christianity is working out what part is Bible and what part is man-made. Mm. Now, th- this this is a, an environment that's created. It's created by what I call miracle pushers. People are always pushing miracles. Mm. Uh, they're like the separated dad, you know, who gives, when he sees his kids, gives them lollies and lets them stay up late, you know, toys, treats, all that sort of thing. And uh, that person, you know, just really becomes the kid's mum's worst nightmare. Yeah, or she's got to clean up the mess when they come back home. Yeah, because he's created a world that's unreal. And, yeah. and you know, they've got to come back down to the structure of living yeah. normal life. Yeah. Now, it's like that in the Christian life. I think if we if we just keep hyping people up to, to live in the spectacular, look for the spectacular all the time, uh, they're not going to live in the real world and ad- identify with real people. Um, so, you know, we have created this environment and we need to understand that it's not really a healthy environment. Mm. Can you give us some examples? Yep. Uh, you know, for example, I mean, there are miracles that take place. For example, a miraculous cancellation of debt. If you've got a debt, Phil, okay, and then you could go along to one of these crusades. Who wants a miracle? I need a miracle. I've got this debt. You know, I'm up to my eyeballs, my credit card's maxed out and so on. Okay, we're going to pray and believe that your debt is going to be canceled. Now, God could do a miracle. Ultimately, in the long term, is that going to help you if God keeps doing miracles? No, he wants you to grow and learn how to live responsibly, learn how to budget, you know, mm. not live beyond your means and so on. So there's a discipline that needs to come into our lives yeah. that miracles is not really going to take care of in the long run. Yeah. Another example would be um, 
Uh, you know, for example, let's say your marriage is in trouble. Well, let's pray for a miracle for this marriage. Hey, God might do that, and he's done that many times over. But if we don't learn how to love one another, we don't learn how to walk in the Spirit in our homes and in our marriages, yeah. then the miracle is not a substitute for those things. Yeah. The attitude that you talk about, Ken, of miracles on demand, it was prevalent when Jesus was on earth as a man as well, but it still didn't stop him performing miracles, uh, although he did refuse to produce them when others demanded it of him. That's a very good point, Phil. I mean, uh, he did many miracles, but he chose them to do them his way and in his time. Mm. Um, he said, in fact, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He didn't say, I'm not going to give them a sign. He said, there will be no sign given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So he gave them an amazing sign, you know, the rising from the dead. There's mm. no greater sign than that. But he didn't allow them to dictate when and how and what signs he would perform. And, and so here's the dangers that we throw the baby out with the bathwater just because some immature people have handled the miraculous in the wrong way. So really the Pharisees wanted a miracle, not because they believed, but because of their unbelief. That's right. Um, let me give you an example, Phil. Somebody once said to me, oh, there's a great miracle crusade on. Um, you know, evangelist is coming to town. And yep. uh, are you coming? I said, no, I'm saved. He's preaching the gospel. I'm already saved. But he's going to do miracles. He's going to do healings. But I'm not sick, I said. But you'll see miracles. So and I said, but why do I need to see miracles? I believe in God. I believe in his word. I don't need that to be substantiated. Now, it would be out of unbelief that I went, you know, testing God. Well, let's see whether you are a God of miracles. Lord. I know he's a God of miracles. I know that he can heal the sick and raise the dead and heal the blind and, and so on. And so we need to be careful that we don't get into the miraculous out of a sense of unbelief to substantiate our faith. Our faith stands on the Word of God. We're on the subject of miracles today and we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 